This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Does picking an outfit have you running a little too fashionably late? We get it. Great taste takes time. That's why Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery, has your back with the largest selection of beer, wine, and spirits delivered in under 60 minutes. Convenience never goes out of style. So if you need to spend some extra time in the mirror instead of at the store, download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Hey guys, uh, I know that this is the top of the episode, so I just want to tell you guys, this is what we call a Slap Nuts episode. A Slap Nuts episode is a little bit different than other episodes, and we kind of get into this a little bit later because we talk about different things, not just one particular person. It's sort of a way for you guys to take a break from all the gloom and doom that we normally have on this podcast and have a little fun. But that being said, we might have dirty jokes, differing opinions, talk about more adult themes, and there might even be some cussing uh, because the fact is, Two out of the three hosts on this show do a heavy amount of drinking, and the other one is a loose cannon from birth. So, you know, just a little bit of warning that if you have little ears in the car, this might not be the episode that you want to introduce them to us to. So there you go. You might not want to have kids in the car when you play this episode. Just ever. (laughs) Ever. You're digging the Rock and Roll Heaven podcast with LD, Will the Thrill, and TJ2. Hey guys, welcome to Rock and Roll Heaven Podcast, where we talk about the lives, careers, and deaths of famous musicians. I am your host, LD, along with me for the ride, as always, is Will the Thrill. Greetings and salutations. Nice. nice. What are you drinking? This also comes from our friends at Belching Beaver. They're not our friends. You don't know anyone that works there. I'd like to. Maybe I'm just putting that out in the universe. Okay. Anyway, this comes from the Belching Beaver (laughs) Brewery. It is the Good Morning Beautiful Brown Ale. Aw, my hair is brown. So that is what I'm imbibing for this particular episode. All right. And then on the other side of the country, we have TJ2, the deuce. Howdy, partners. Did you just give up on drinking? No, I um, I kind of wasn't paying attention and I already opened my beer. <laughs> so very poorly, Tom. Here, oh, here, here you go. Here you go. Oh, did someone open a beer? Like it was... Like, it was like we all auditioned for that role in the guy in police academy and none of us got it and none of us got it 
All right. <laughs> what are you drinking, T? I'm having a, uh, I've had this one before on the show, Lannan Kugel um, Toasted Bach. Very, very, very winry. That's a safe bet for you though, right? Yes. That's yes. I with- like Bach very much. Is that correct? It's the one with spices? I like beer, just in general. I mean, I, to be honest with you, I'm not really picky. <laughs> This beer thing is a wonderful. One, one day you're going to say, "No, DJ to the deuce," and I'm, you're going to hear like a loud crack, and then I'm just going to scream, "PBR, bitches!" Woo! <laughs> and not, nothing beats the Ice House, though. That was fantastic. <laughs> oh, that, that truly suffered for my craft. In, in uh, episode, you're, not going to lie. Hats well, off to your the, dedication. Well, it was like the Rickstasy, like when Will had to drink the Rickstasy. No, <laughs> oh, do we that. still have the banana liqueur? Up there, there is banana liqueur that's been in there since the Rickstasy episode. <laughs> I don't know what to do with it. You throw it away at this I'm point. Going to God, haunts oh. my dreams. I need some potassium though, but also I don't want to get drunk. Yeah, that's not the way so, to go. <clears throat> all right. And if you do, please. And if you're gonna, and if you're going to, please don't do so on banana liqueur. <laughs> yes, your teeth will rot before you get intoxicated. <laughs> All right, so this week, guys, is our Slap Nuts episode. This is an episode where we get to talk about some stuff, blow some steam off, and just, you know, have conversations that don't end with someone, for the most part, dying. (laughs) We hope. We hope not. But uh, this wheel of what the fuckery gets (laughs) is uh, 1980s epic sex solos. That's the first thing. The second thing we're going to talk about is favorite quitter got fired. And then the third thing up this time around is we're going to talk about, and then this is where we're going to get the hate mail. Mm-hmm. We are going to compare and contrast songs that are covers that are better than the originals. Mm-hmm. So at the top mm-hmm. of every episode, I got to tell you guys, any kind, uh, anytime there is a Slap Nuts episode, the views expressed on this Slap Nuts episode of Rock are Mo- correct. <laughs> Don't argue with us. We're <laughs> right. 100% of the time. It's not Pantheon Media that that has these views it's just but a, it should be we're the jerks <laughs> <laughs> but we're right damn it <sighs> all right so first up guys we're going to be talking about the epic saxophone solos of the 1980s because <laughs> will will not leave me alone until we do this but i just want to point out something about 1980s sax in particular it's terrible oh d- do you stop it there's a lot of good <laughs> stuff in here and I, and I for the record have a lot of noteworthy notes so yes um, we really had no parameters for this one other than hey 80 sacks so i have like a list of 10 great ones and 10 that suck Uh, that's fair but uh, before i go further to give a context if you will uh the 1980s really mastered the saxophone riff very much like a guitar riff the 80s had saxophone riffs so i want us to keep that in mind and part of the conversation as we Sigu into this material where we enjoy the good Not and the bad. How you pronounce that? It is now. It is, we're always right. TJ said no. So. It's no. It's segue like the awesome little scooter thing. <laughs> Happy was on it. No, no. no Obadiah, Obadiah was on yeah. it. Obadiah Stane. That's an MCU reference for those. Yes. Yes. Eighty saxophone riffs. So think about that. There might be one in some of the songs we talk about today. All right. So we'll see. I mean, I hope that they are because yeah. that's the whole point of the list i think that, that since tj you have like a top 10 basically i think we should start there okay start okay uh, do you want do you want my top 10 good ones or cheesy slash suck ass ones let's do the good ones let's do the good ones just the good ones yeah. how about just the good ones? okay at number 10 i've got uh the waitresses i know what boys like yes good one. now to me that sax solo sounds like if a gallon of tab and a kilo of Coke could somehow play a saxophone, that's what it would sound like. 
You mean the eighties? Yes. They also used. They also had use of the saxophone during Christmas wrapping. Yes, but that's that's a really that's a that, that's one I really like. Um, okay. And it's just it's frenetic and crazy, uh, and I really dig that one. Uh, number nine. This is a song from uh, someone we have covered during our heavy hitter series. Rick James, Super Freak. Yeah. Played by Daniel Lamel, of course. Um, he gets a little shout out right at, right before he starts playing with Rick saying, Blow, Danny. So uh, that's a really good one. I didn't feel like this list of good 80s sacks would be complete if I didn't put the big man on here. Mm. So. Now, I think we can agree that if we were doing sax, just any sax solo of all time, Clarence Clemens would probably have about three of the top six. Easily. <laughs> Easily. I mean, Born to Run, I think we could all agree that would be there. John Wayne, Wood, Rosalita. Bunch, he's got a bunch of killer ones. Um, but we're in the 80s, so I just uh, picked a song I happen to really like called Cadillac Ranch. That's a good one because I, I mean, just to add to a little bit, well, the one I had in mind was actually from Born in the USA would be Bobby Jean. That's another good one. Yep. And, and and when I looked at it, what I realized with with Big Man was a lot of the sax stuff I enjoyed by him was actually the seventies, and then it came back in the nineties. The eighties were a bit of a gap. Yep. Because uh, what Springsteen was releasing, he released I think four albums in that decade. So he did, and and you know he he broke up the E Street Band for a while. Basically, yeah. So yeah. Um, and I think you can correct me if I'm wrong. LD, I'm sure you would know this. Is, is am I right that uh, Clarence's final performance was on Lady Gaga's "Born This Way" or something? I do believe it was. Okay. And he apparently flew out at like three in the morning and did it, and came back. And I think yeah, it was the last thing he did before he passed. Mm, yeah. And and as we're recording this, we're five days removed from what would have been his uh, 80th birthday, actually. So. That's awesome, um, man. Still RIP to that guy. What yeah. a force of nature he was. Um, number seven, a little more mellow, you know, because Clarence, he had the lungs. It, it sounded like it was going to explode out of your speakers. This one's a little more laid back, but I know it's one you like, Will. Dire Straits, your latest trick. Love it. The, the only thing that beats it, and it's in the wrong decade, is on every street. Yes, because that you're, ju- you're just into the yeah. '90s with that one. Yep. Yeah, that that little hook in um, your latest trick is just—it's so infectious and just wonderful. I, yeah. I love that. I love that one, and it's a little bit of a departure for them, but it's a terrific song. I really love it. Uh, number six, I've got uh, Stevie Winwood. Roll with it. Good choice. Right. Nice. Uh, number five, I don't think we could do this list if we didn't throw Hall and Oates on here. I picked Man Eater. You could pick a bunch. <laughs> Of my whole notes. Yeah, we have um, a little bit of overlap. <laughs> okay, well, that's okay. That's all right. Number four, I have got Lonesome George and the Delaware Destroyers, Bad to the Bone. Ooh, it's iconic for sure. That that is oh that's that's in the Clarence uh, pantheon of just God, you just that that just pops out of your speakers. Oh, I, I really, love I really love that is. song. Yeah, and again, you could pick a lot of George songs. I Drink Alone would be another good one. Um, might actually be a better one. I don't think about it. We'll stick with Bad to the Bone. Number three, and boy, these these top three, man, they're really hard to separate, but I've got part of rock and roll, Huey Lewis and the News, because it's Huey Lewis and the News. I would say I want a new drug. I want a new drug. I see, again, this is just a ton back in time would be great. Um, Shut up. Shut up. A bunch of them. Shut up. (laughs) Okay. Shut up, Mike. 
Uh, number two, I've got another band who you could pick a lot of songs by them, but I'm going to go with this one, In Excess, What You Need. Oh. And number one for me, uh, very early in the decade, uh, played by a star, I believe, of the 60s and 70s, but it's Foreigner with Urgent featuring Junior Walker. Oh, okay. They use that in a Sprint commercial, I think. For I, I think so. I, I, it, it's it's turned up in a lot of, of some commercial here fairly recently, but good mm. grief, man. Junior just, he, he absolutely decimates that solo killer killer stuff love that one so that's my that's my good list all right just why don't you run through your bad list this is my butt cheese slash sucky list number 10 i've got harden my heart by quarter flash <laughs> oh, i love quarter flash oh so oh, so do you like that one yeah okay they played okay so uh of course like my mind will always go to broadway musicals and they used that song as the second act i wish song for Rock of Agents. Okay, okay. Um, I think we can agree, though. A song can be cheesy and still be good. Of course, yeah. I love cheesy songs. Yeah, some some of these are bad. Some of them are just cheesy. And I, I, that's not a, a terrible song or anything. It's just that that's a very generic sounding sax to me. Okay. Um, so is the one at number nine. Uh, breathe, hands to heaven. <laughs> I'll give you that. Oh, that's right. right. <laughs> No. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I've told I can't sing anymore. Sorry. Even for comic <laughs> effect. I, I was doing the Larry King. Breathe for the full hour. Tonight, breathe. You guys are gonna just snap at me every time, aren't you? Yeah, we're like going this down. I, I think I'm gonna get some blowback on this one, but I I don't care. It's a good song, and it's a, the artist is she's very iconic. The the sax in this song sucks. Charday, smooth operator. Fair enough. It's it's no, sophomoric. Yeah. 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 Her voice sounds like butter. Oh, she's she's brilliant. amazing. She oh yeah, she is beautiful and super talented and everything. But yeah, that's just um the, the sax is not good in, in the smooth operator, in my opinion. Fair. Um I got Funky Town. Oh, lip sync. Oh, lip -sync. Lip -sync. <laughs> um which it took me till today to realize mm -hmm. that lip sync, lips lip -sync, ink, yeah. Lip sync. Huh? So we're seeing uh, uh, it. I don't know. Oh my goodness! The next one is just a song I really don't like, and that would be an Englishman in New York by Sting. I don't even know if uh, I know yeah, that it's song. Not a great song. Don't know if I know. Uh, that song. I, I feel like I was when, when Sting slows it down and gets the horns and the kind of like jazzy feel the songs, I run real hot and cold on them. Okay, <laughs> for example, I adore. Door Fields of Gold. I love that song. Love it. An Englishman in New York is it's it's a turd on an English muffin. <laughs> an English muffin. See, I didn't mean to because he's English. I also like English muffins. So can you pick something else like raisin bagels or something? It's fair. It's it's ferret scat on a buttermilk biscuit. Okay, it's 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 really bad. I I just I really don't like that song. I mean, I'm no. shocked how quickly you came up with that analogy, and I'm impressed. Duly, um, duly impressed. I'm going to roll these last five off just, just rapid fire, because to me, this is about a five-way tie for the cheesiest, and I would love for you guys to break it. Okay. Waiting for a Star to Fall by Boy yes! Meets Girl. Let him finish. Jeez. Oh, also, that was super loud, like right in my ear. That was actually the desired reaction, I have to be honest with you. Oh, um, wretched boy meets girl. Oh. 
Stop it. Uh, Glenn Fry's The One You Love. A contribution from the missus. Debbie Gibson's Foolish Beat. Ah. Wham's Careless Whisper and Kenny G Songbird. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you flat out, Kenny G does not belong on that list. Kenny G is the master of sax. You're taking him All off. Right? Yeah. Taking him off. That's, okay. That's because Kenny G, you can't think about Kenny G without thinking about the saxophone. So literally everything he does is either super or cheese. And I like to think he's super. <laughs> well, that, that one is kind of cheesy. I would also say that, do you know who plays the, um, the sax on that, the sting song that I've called like poop in a biscuit or whatever it was? <laughs> I think you said ferret scats on a on a on a buttermilk biscuit. On a buttermilk biscuit. Thank you very much. Do you yeah. know who plays do you know who plays sax on that one? Who? Branford Marsalis. Get out of ah. here. So I mean it's not it's not like some no name. I mean it's somebody who's a, a fantastic player. I just don't like it. But anyway, you're taking Kenny G off the list, okay? Yes. Simply because that's his thing, man. Okay. It's that's what he does, man. It's Uncle Kenny. It's Uncle Kenny, man. So okay. I'm gonna say, uh, knew you were waiting for me. Waiting for a star to fall is the the number one cheesiest one on your list. The ultimate. Okay. Will, what do you think? Is the cheesiest? Oh, probably yeah. waiting for a star to fall. It's so yeah. schmaltzy. Yeah. <laughs> I started I started looking at that list and I was like, I actually had that one lower, but I really started thinking about it. I was like, no, that no, that that might actually be the one. <laughs> <laughs> that, like is the that might have been the one that I could have just read and saved this the last fifteen minutes. <laughs> it is so just iconic cheese for eighty sacks. I mean, and it, that's what makes it brilliant. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's my uh, top and bottom ten. Love Excellent. It. Excellent. I guess I'm up. Oh, you're up, and I'll back yep. quick. Up, yeah. All right. So yeah. I was actually going to choose Tina Turner's "You're Simply the Best," but okay. the thing is that that saxophone solo only lasts about ten and a half seconds. Okay. It's pretty short. Now it does show up on best saxophone solos in music, but for some reason it's just super short in my opinion. So I felt like I needed something that was a through line. So I'm a massive fan of Deadpool. <laughs> so I actually chose one to be Careless Whisper. It's iconic. By, okay. by Wham. Uh, if you've not seen Deadpool, which I know my brother probably doesn't even know what Deadpool is, but I feel like that's a movie that T would actually love. That, that's a big raw joke, Ghost Rider. Yeah, uh, so I'm going to go with Careless Whisper. I'm also okay. going to pick Rio by Duran Duran. That's a good one. Oh, yeah. Another one that I chose was, I went with Huey Lewis in the news, and the one I went with was Back in Time, because I used to actually work at Universal Studios and you know they had the Back to the Future ride, but that got gutted to become something else, like the Spider-Man or something. The or the mun yeah, the Simpsons yeah. or the Mummy or something. It got gutted. But still, they would actually play Huey Lewis and the News constantly while I worked <laughs> at Universal. And it was just like that end part of uh back in time. The that part, yeah. Uh, that's a really long solo too yes it is it kind of tails out at the very end of the song i really like that one yeah the other one that i chose was because knowing that this exists in the world and knowing that i have access to it pretty much anytime mm. i want makes me super happy so i'm gonna go with man eater by hall and oats now mm -hmm. if you don't know 
what I'm referring to, hang on, it is, there is a hotline that you can call called Call which, which, Notes. Which we called during the Eddie Van Halen series, as I recall. Yes, <laughs> yes we uh, did. Call and Notes. If you guys are interested in it, it's uh, you can call this number at any time, day or night, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, 366 on leap years. And you can actually choose uh, out of three, I believe, three different uh, Hall & Oates songs. And you know what? I'm going to give out that number again yes. because I feel like the universe needs to know about Hall & Oates. Uh, but you call this number and you can just select any song by, well, well, one of three songs or four songs by Hall & Oates. And you can listen to it anytime you want. And that mm -hmm. number is 719-266-266. 2837. Again, that is 719-266-2837 if you just want to bring joy into your life. Or if you have somebody that's really annoying you at the bar and they, <laughs> they want to get your number, just give that to them and then they'll be like, oh, this is great. They didn't give me like an 888, whatever. No, you can call, call and oats. It's so I, I chose man eater because it just brings me joy. Now, what's the other one that you make of my dreams come true? It doesn't have, that doesn't have any sax really in it, so I couldn't no. choose that, but that's my favorite. That's my favorite song by them. All right. For my final selection, I'm actually going to, to try to make my mama proud <laughs> by choosing Hungry Eyes from the Dirty Dancing soundtrack. Oh, I almost, do you know, I thought about that when I waited. I didn't know which list it should go on. It's transcendent. <laughs> it's either really cheesy or really amazing. Awesome. I'm not. I'm not sure which. Do you remember the video? No. No. The, the the girl is playing this gigantic saxophone. This is like as big as she is, oh. and her her dress is lit clean up to glory. Like it's the most. Does it have like a tiny <laughs> chain on the hip keeping it together? Like it was really like it's like you almost feel like you're seeing something. I'm sure you're not, but. Huh. Yeah, All just watch right. it when we're done. You'll see. All right. I I will. I will. So that that's my list. Mr. Will the Thrill, this this was your selection. Was. So this better be some damn fine sacks. It, it is some very impressive sacks. And I will preface this list by saying I'm ashamed of all of you because I'm going to bring some up here that you have overlooked and I am disappointed. Look, he chose 20. I picked like four. I, I'm There's not angry. no consistency here. I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. You know what? Oh, there's a spray bottle again. <laughs> okay. So um, I'll try to just breeze through at least the ones we've we've shared. And that would be, of course, Clarence, the big man, Clemens. Yep. Uh, can't talk about the instrument without talking about good old Clarence. Did we all overlook Glenn Fry? The heat is on. You belong to the city. I, I assumed you were going to pick any. Well, I, mean, in Beverly. Well, see, now, I did. I did pick a fry song, but I did it for my cheese list. You did it for the cheese list. <laughs> but heat is on and you belong to the city. I mean, come on. That that lick is undeniable. Um, with Huey, I went for I wanted a drug, but as we discussed, we got a lot of options there. Sure. Men at work. I I thought about that one. Uh, I, I I thought on that one long and hard, and I left him off primarily because I know you like Colin Hay a lot, and I figured you would pick one. As I do. And, and you know, really, I think Who Can It Be Now is the most recognizable, but yeah, the sure. entire catalog, I mean, Underground, Overkill, all really yep. good sax work. Do they have something like The Middle as a song? <laughs> but LD, how'd you miss Modern Love? Um, I didn't. Oh. I didn't. Okay. I didn't. Okay. It was, the thing is, 
it's so in the back now if i actually wanted to choose a a mm -hmm. great saxophone solo mm -hmm. it would be in a song that my brother hates which is which is black star Ugh. it's a good sax solo though yeah, it's a beautiful sax solo and i i'm gonna be honest with you i remember as i put my list together thinking like okay i need to put modern love on there and somehow it's just not on there so i don't know but but it got it got it got mentioned so good yeah yeah as, I, I mean yeah the black star is undeniably like that's my choice but as ld taught us all in the bowie series that was his first instrument correct yes. sax? yeah yep. it was a virtuoso maybe for the next list we have to pick something like best flute solos oh boy uh jethro tull <laughs> jethro tull so i was gonna say jethro tull and jethro uh, oh and uh well jethro tull and uh, marshall tucker i guess no oh, dave tucker, matthews yeah. has an amazing one too and I so does lizzo would. lizzo Lizzo plays the flute. Flute solo? Yes. Right. Hey. <laughs> All right. Brass ahead. monkey. Okay, gonna yep. forgot that was a saxophone. Well, you hear that. The, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, it's just you don't it's it, you just don't expect it to be in a Beastie Boys song. And for some reason, like that was yep. I completely forgot about that. Well done. The the melodious true spando ballet. That was yep. on the list, yep. and then I took it off because I remembered every time I see Spendo Ballet, I think. You know what? All the members of Spindo Ballet could walk up to me and punch me in the face, and I would be like, "Why are these guys punching me in the face?" Exactly. Um, and I think I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up one of my favorites. Thankfully, not a subject for our podcast yet. Billy Joel. Yeah. yeah. A lot of his stuff in the '70s was more sax heavy with Mark Rivera, obviously his sax player of many years. But just making the cut for the 1980s would be, and I think it's memorable. It's still rock and roll to me. Fair enough. Really good solo. Well, he also it did is, that is a good solo. Faith. You're right. Keeping the faith also, which was Keeping later faith. in the decade. Yeah. But I think the big ones like New York State of Mind and uh, Just the Way You Are. That's all seventies. Oh, Just the Way You Are. But yeah. I, that that one's beautiful. Yeah. Again, the great Mark Rivera, Billy Joel's go-to sax guy. Uh, for of course, I had In Excess, but I actually had Never Tear Us Apart. Oh. Hard, uh, hard to go wrong with pretty much anything from them. Mm -hmm. Especially my, anything from Kick. Oh, yeah, the album is pretty much flawless, in my opinion. Fair. And why we're all here, my number one, LD's already getting angry at me. <laughs> Many of you have seen the film Lost Boys and asked yourself the question, who is that oiled-up dude playing the saxophone? Well, I'm here to give Tim Capello his due because nothing like that image of that guy playing the sax is more 80s than anything else we've discussed. So I, I don't know why I haven't filed for divorce. I, I am going to bring up a few fun facts about Tim Capello. I, Ready? Is it fun facts? Nipples are pierced? Fun facts is about Tim Capello. He, 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 he has to get oiled up to put on his leather pants. <laughs> I mean, his man bun is greater than Jason Momoa's. What could you possibly tell me about him that I can't oh, figure out? How about this? He kicked heroin. Good for him. Because yes. the only other option is death. Yeah. He actually kicked heroin, according to Capello. He said he quit, quote, cold turkey. That's impressive. Yeah. That's, that's well, it's impressive that he didn't die. From yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, there's a reason that you have to wean yourself off slowly because mm -hmm. if you just stop, unfortunately, one of the, one of the uh, symptoms or side effects is that you, uh, you just die. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Successfully overcame the addiction himself. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. Uh, he was the go-to sax player for Tina Turner, which I think we that, discussed. Uh, that's, I, that's, I knew, yes. Yeah. Uh, um, I knew. Other notable acts include, but aren't limited to, Eric Carmen, Ringo Starr, Peter Gabriel, Carly Simon, hmm. Billy Crystal. He wait, actually. Wait, wait, wait. Yep. 
Billy one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> it's not like them at Care all. Care to explain why Billy Crystal is in here? What did he do? He was touring with Billy Crystal. That is weird. I know, is that weird? That is, yeah. that is so weird. But his, I mean, okay. I yeah. mean, well, it is like, oh, God. What was the band that he was touring with? David Bowie, and he was the mime. Uh, T-Rex. He, oh, yes. Yeah. T-Rex, yeah. Yeah, so it was like when David Bowie would be touring with T-Rex and he was a mime. Yep. Okay. So he's so, so he's Billy Crystal's mime. Billy Crystal's mime. We can okay. think of it that way. All right. Uh, obviously became That's a body. That's my new band name. Write that down. Billy Crystal's mime. <laughs> yep. He obviously became a bodybuilder, founded the band The Ken Dolls. It was actually on the Tina Turner tour that he was discovered for Lost Boys, which Capello describes as, quote, the easiest work he ever did. Yeah, you could tell. He spent 20 minutes in costume because he wasn't wearing That's, a lot. No, he's wearing he's wearing leather pants. Yep. Uh, he said they shot for maybe two hours. And, quote, Capello, by 10 p.m., we were all partying back in Haim's room. Corey Haim. Yeah, you, yep. no, you didn't. You could have just said Haim. Yep. And last but not least, LD, you'll appreciate this one. Do you remember the John Hamm skitch, uh, skit Sergio, where he's the topless sax player? No, I don't. They did a series of them where he, like, compels Andy Sandberg to air sax inappropriately. Okay, yeah, no, I've missed that completely. How yep. did I miss that? But it's John Hamm playing a shirtless sax player. And that was, of course, modeled after Tim Capello. And the song, of course, is I Still Believe from the Lost Boys soundtrack. I am so disturbed that you know that much about Tim Capello. Tim Capello! All right. Well, Tim, if you're listening to this, you have a real fan in my husband. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> so that's my, that's my list. All right. So next <clears throat> is a uh, subject from my brother's perspective. That was actually Will the Thrill's Choice, the epic saxophones of the 1980s. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we got my brother's choice, which was T. Care to explain to the folks at home what you were selecting? Sure. When we do these Slap Nuts episodes, we usually pick three or four topics. And most of them are about music. But we like to throw one in that's kind of unrelated. Kind of a get-to-know-your-host sort of a thing. So I have a lengthy list of impressive I quits and got fired. Which is weird since I've worked currently, I've worked at the place I work at now for 18 years. Yeah, and to but, be honest, there's there's one that me and Will <laughs> will still quote to this day. Yep. So one of I, your one of your quit slash got fired stories actually creeps into our daily life. Well, that's that's actually one I'm going to share with you. That's one of my most famous stories. <laughs> I have a couple of I have a couple of really good ones. Um, I worked at a video store called Movies one time. And, <laughs> oh uh, God. I had to work on like the first week of the NFL playoffs or maybe that maybe the conference championship game Sunday. And I really was really upset about it. And so I was scheduled to be off on Super Bowl Sunday. And this girl said, uh, hey, hey, um, would you trade with me next week, next next Sunday? I said, oh, no, the Super Bowl's in. My family does like a big thing. Uh, and then I, I, I jokingly said, I mean, I don't want to work when I'm scheduled to work, much less when you're scheduled to work. Ha ha. Well, she got mad and told the manager, and I was called into her office for a, for a, a meeting. And she said, so uh, I heard that you said you don't like working here. And I said, well, you know, uh, I did say that to what's your name out there. Um, and I was joking. But now that you mentioned <laughs> <laughs> and then I just I kind of just uh, put my hands up and shuffled on out the door with a big old grin on my face <laughs> to screw them. Another really quick one was I worked at a restaurant, my first but ever I, restaurant. Neither job. one of these stories is the ones that we we quote. 
no, no, no. These are these are both. Well, these are both really short. Okay. Um, I worked in a kitchen. Somehow they got away with paying me less than minimum wage. I'm not sure how that was legal. I made like three dollars an hour. Oh, I remember. I remember oh, exactly boy. why that was. Was because before South Carolina didn't have the law that stated that you had, if you were in the service industry working, you got tips. You didn't have to be paid minimum wage because apparently your tips were logged in as your right. Like but your I work in the kitchen right. and never got a tip. So yeah, you I'm not a second. So they were they were really uh, kind of fudging things to do that. But anyway, so that's yeah. part of the reason I don't feel I don't feel bad about how I left. So I think I had not cleaned some appliance, and they come in the next day and it reeked of fish. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. this was a fish. This was like a fish. Not no. This wasn't the fish camp, but this was a place that served like fried catfish and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, so one of the the owner's daughter daughters uh, who who kind of ran the place was giving me a real tongue lashing and she's like you know it's the little things that make a big difference you got to pay attention to details if you ever want to get anywhere in this business little things are important and i said let me let me break some news to you i don't want to get anywhere in this business i said in fact in fact i don't want to work the rest of this year and i left <laughs> beautiful um, so, hey, Travis, Travis, yeah. just want to stop you for a second, all right? We got some ads. We got to run them. Let's do this. That cold case you're listening to? Nasty stuff. But you know what else is a crime? Missing even a moment of whatever you're doing to go on a drink run. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered in under 60 minutes. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. And we're back. All right. Let's get back into whatever it was we were doing when we left. But, but my real, but my piece de resistance is that when I was working in radio, that is not the steadiest of employment. It this certainly huh. wasn't back at this point. So I'm going, I'm bouncing, that's, as they say in the song, town to town, up and down the dial. And I get to a point where I've basically burned every bridge at every radio station in the state of South Carolina <laughs> and, and in Mecklenburg County, North Carolina, <laughs> for, good, for good measure. And so, the, but see, the damnable hell of it is that like the water company and the phone company still expect you to pay your bill even when you don't have a job. And I'm like, come yeah. on, guys. Yeah, that's a load of crap. Cut me some slack. Yeah. So for a very brief time, very brief. I um, began working at a parts warehouse. Not even important that I say the name of it, but a parts warehouse in Spartanburg, South Carolina. <laughs> People now, are this, right now. This is actually not where I quit, but it is indicative of the fact that I was not long for this particular employer. Okay. <laughs> so the, the manager of the place, they've hired me and I've passed my P test and everything's great. And I'm, I show up. 7 30 the next morning eager to learn and start working and the guy says okay yeah this is a real easy job man all right so uh there's a basket right here uh, that sits on this desk uh this is the order basket when we get an order we put it in there so you just pick the order up you go through the warehouse you find all the things that are on that order you put them all in one box you sit them here and you you sit the order on top of it and then you you know get the next one and you go do that and i said oh, okay yeah i think i can handle that i said hey i do have a question though i said in lieu of there being a um you know, an order in the basket. What, what do I do to pass the time? And, and because I'm, I'm legitimately wondering like, okay, well, surely orders aren't going to come in hard and heavy all day, every day. There'll be sometimes I come back from pulling an order and there's nothing in the basket. So what am I supposed to do? I don't want to just stand around. 
but that's how I phrased it. In lieu of there being anything in the basket, what am I supposed to do to occupy my time? And the guy just stared at me and he said, what? And I, I thought maybe he had not heard me or something. And so I spoke a little louder. I said, in lieu of there being anything in the basket. And he put his hand up, like, stop. He said, no, 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 no. I heard what you said. I didn't understand. I said, oh, okay. He said, and then he pulls up my, my application where he saw that I had gone to college. He said, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, college boy, Mr. Fancy talking college man. I don't know who Lou of is. You need to talk down where, where uh, regular folks like me can understand you. And I said, you know what, buddy, I apologize. I, I got a little too big for my britches there. When basket be empty, what me do then? That is cartoon it's level amazing. villain. Oh, God. When basket be empty, what me do, what I mean, me do then? If basket, if nothing in if basket, basket, what me do? do. <laughs> oh, classic. Uh, now, that actually wasn't, that was my first day, and I actually did work there for a, gosh, a good two weeks. Um <laughs> But I think I think that the groundwork I think that pretty well laid the groundwork for the the miserable failure that was to come. A long and glorious tenure of two weeks. Fair enough. So those those are those are just three of my favorites. And God, I've got so many to pick from. <laughs> okay. Do you think that you've quit more or gotten fired from more? I've definitely quit more. Yeah. Okay. I've only actually I've only actually really been fired once. Yes. Yeah, uh, I've worked at several places that went out of business or they laid people off, but actually fired. I've only been fired one time. I think I've been fired twice. <laughs> okay. I think? I think I've been fired twice. <laughs> every place that like other, every other place was like totally fine. But I, I, I guess now is a good time for me to tell my, since we're rolling into them. Absolutely. So, okay. so uh, one was when I was like 18 and then the other one was during the pandemic. Oh, <laughs> not not the shelter I oh that's what i think this. Of. no okay. no 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 so when i was 18 of course i was like this stupid bubble-headed skinny <clears throat> freaky person and i got a job at a restaurant and it was a chain restaurant <laughs> and it was not applebee's i actually shout out to applebee's i loved my time as an apple buddy okay loved my time at applebee's I ended up working like seven different jobs at Apple. I was in the expo line. I was the host. I was a server. I worked as a dishwasher. I worked as a busser. I worked like the whole thing. We did pr- like, I, I loved my time at Applebee's. Okay. That is not uh, the one I got fired from. I will say it's in the same family and it may or may not have a day of the week in its name <laughs> where they okay. had, you know, where you had the, the fancy shirts and figure, stuff. Figure so I was like super stupid. I was, you remember what I was like as a kid. I was hyperactive. I bounced off the friggin' wall. Like it was yep. like constantly almost, cry. <laughs> almost literally, yes. Yes. I was like just on a human sugar high. I was the embodiment of energy. To to this day, to this day, LD still has a small scar, I believe, on her chin. And <laughs> where she weds herself in, in like a door frame of the bathroom and I, then scaled to the top of it like a monkey. Yep. And and fell off face first and hit her, her chin on this tile floor that was basically like jagged concrete. Yep. <laughs> that was pretty much it. Yep. So, so that's uh, that was that's pretty much that's pretty much LD, yes. So, uh, I also, hyper. She was hyper hyper. I was super hyper. I was hyper hyper. I was a hypo hyper. I was yes. So I thought it was somebody on like a television show or something that I had seen had done this joke called a moose lick. Do we all know what a moose lick is? It's basically where, hey, 
you know, you say, hey, Will, you ever been kissed by a moose? And they go, you go, and then you lick them. Okay. So I was working as a hosting position at this restaurant and it got into my head that I was like, I need to do a moose lick on someone because that's fucking hilarious. And it is Friday and it is slow. It was super slow. It was was super slow Friday. And I'm like, I'll pick up the joint. So this dude comes over that we had nicknamed Happy Richie. And I'm like, hey, Happy Richie, you ever been kissed by a moose? And he's like, he looks at me like super weird. And he was an older man. He was like 20. And uh, he goes, no, what are you talking about? And I went, Bleh! and then, <laughs> then lick them. <laughs> and apparently he didn't think it was as funny as I did. So uh, um, I got called into the office on Monday when the bosses were back in. And I was told to clean my locker out because, uh, yeah, he didn't think that was a very funny joke. <laughs> So, uh, I no longer worked there. Uh, oh. the, the, uh, the newest one, the most recent, uh, time I got fired was technically not my fault because the <laughs> man was crazy. So I literally think I dodged a bullet. So I was working on this, uh, film as the second AD and, um, there is a gentleman in the music slash film industry that most people regard as either a psychotic genius or just psychotic. <laughs> there is no middle ground and so the first day I walk in and he's screaming at his realtor because he didn't leave uh his wife the title to the house and they were moving in and they needed that for some reason for insurance purposes or something and then he got off that phone call and started screaming into a completely different phone because he threw the other phone across the room and he picked up someone else's phone and started talking to a house but I don't know who he was talking to if it was like his lawyer or his psychiatrist, but he was screaming that he wanted an Apache helicopter. For the month, he just wanted an Apache helicopter. And he's like, buy me my effing helicopter. Uh, and in this time frame, he tried to, gosh, let me see what else he did. Uh, he was objectifying women, forced us to watch a sizzle reel of a vacation that he took, set to some super crappy music. Uh, he would scream at people because they didn't use the proper type of pen because he didn't like people using big pens because he says that was big was of the peasants. Uh, and then like most of the team that I got hired with was either fired or quit. And I made it all the way to a pre-production meeting where he was talking about, he was like, man, F COVID, we don't have to follow these stupid rules. Nobody's going to be doing anything. This is stupid. And then he started talking about the snacks. And so literally like on the Zoom call, I was like, hey, just want to let you know that we will need to just get prepackaged snacks. That is literally all I said. You would have thought that I called his daughter names <laughs> because a couple minutes later, I get a phone call from the new first AD because the original first AD quit. And he's like, hey, uh, he didn't like you talking about snacks. So we're going to have to let you go. <laughs> During the time of a global pandemic, I told him we had to be safe. And uh, well, I mean, you had it coming. Frankly. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's here's the funny thing. I found out later that the film got shut down because he he didn't want to get proper permitting for the guns that he wanted to use. Oh, good. He was like he was literally like, we don't have to tell the cops. We'll just use the ones we have. And I don't know if you know that or not, 
but uh, uh. that's highly illegal and you can't really go forward on a film without an armor we found out about that with Helena Hutchins yeah. on uh, the set of Rust, like how yeah. important an actual armorer is. And he didn't want to hire, he didn't want to get the permits for the guns, and he didn't want to hire an armorer. And so at that point, if I had found out about that, I probably would have quit. But instead, I told him we had to get pre-wrapped peanuts, and he didn't like that. So I got let go. <laughs> now, I don't know if I've ever had like a an epic quit moment. I did work at Victoria's Secrets. <laughs> For a day, one day, and they showed me the video, you know, the, the training video that they show you and like yeah. how, how to how to display the bras and hang them up and how to measure women. And, and I just, I was like, nah, this, this job isn't for me. So literally the next day I was supposed to go in and I called them and I told them that I broke my leg. <laughs> and then a week later I worked at the same, <laughs> at the same mall at the Philly's cheese steak sandwich place. <laughs> so um yeah that was my <laughs> i just discovered like it takes it you know like there are people that fit in really well at real retail and there are people that don't and i do not fit in well at retail i hate folding my own clothes much less something else like <laughs> it's not even someone else's it's a corporation's clothes i just couldn't do it so bless those folks who can actually do retail because i do not have the the strength and the will to be able to do it. I'm more of a restaurant gal <laughs> because you can always go into the walk-in freezer and cry if you need to. So, all right. Now that I've shed my skin, Mr. Uh, Hickey, go for it. Well, I'll give you one that I was a direct participant and another that I was sort of on the, we'll call it end user side of. Uh, so I worked at a specific location where I chose to vent my frustrations on social media. MySpace. Yes. It so was MySpace. It, it was a nascent medium, to say the least. <laughs> so I, I chose to put a very colorful post up there. And I think about a week went by, give or take. And then suddenly my manager calls us, hey, you know, we're, we can't come, we got to meet with you. Uh, please don't, he basically said, please don't go this way, which was right past my coworkers. I'm like, oh, well, this can't be good. Oh, no. So I go into the room and it's my boss his boss his boss and the hr manager so you can imagine where this is going oh dear at which point they disclose that there was a post located on social media myspace yes on myspace it was on myspace don't try to be vague um <clears throat> and that's uh that's obviously you know can't befit the conduct of an employee and you know it's a bad look for the company and that they would have to dismiss me but i was an exceptional writer and the funny thing is, is all the while they're sort of telling me the protocol and why they have to let me go, they interject like, there was this one thing about that. It was so well written. We have to fire you. Um, you know, this- It is true. Will is yeah. an incredible writer. For those who don't know, number one, he does all of the write-ups for the episode. So if you ever look in the show notes, that ain't me writing that. That's Will. And he's doing it on the fly. And it's incredible. Well, thank you. So I was told, We're, you're a great writer. We have to fire you. <laughs> so that's one I was a participant in. The other is a little more I found out about. It's one of my favorite stories from college. We were working on a film and we had like a radio that we would turn on. And suddenly one of the guys working on the phone goes, hey, come here, check this out. And he turns on the radio and it's Tone Loke's Wild Thing. And I'm like, okay, that's funny. He goes, just wait. It rolls to Tone Loke's Wild Thing again. <laughs> then it does a brief station ID. It's like, okay, whatever, Attleboro, Massachusetts. And it does Tone Loke's Wild Thing again. <laughs> so what I didn't know at the time was that this local radio station had basically cleaned house. They had gotten rid of everybody, reformatted, gutted the place. And so for a good 
I'd say week or so, they were just running Wild Thing by Tone Loke and a station ID in commercials. <laughs> and friends of mine had a bet in their dorm room. They would keep the radio on 24-7, and the last person to want to turn it off won. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, but fortunately, the station reformatted, and I think it was only on in their apartment for about 18 hours. Aww. But it was nothing but Wild Thing by Tone Loke, which is pretty funny. <laughs> <clears throat> so that's, those are my stories, guys. Excellent. I mean, I th- I think that we've got. Well, so you have been. Have you quit or gotten fired from more jobs? Uh, I've quit more. I've only been fired that one time. It's okay. the only time I've been fired. Wow. Mm-hmm. I I feel ashamed that I got fired twice. There's been a lot of production jobs and stuff like that, you know. So my job doesn't really lend itself to quote unquote being fired. Right. You just kind of work your your contract out, and they may or may not hire you again. Yeah, and I've been laid off. I mean, that's a different. Yeah. Kettle of fish. Yeah. Uh, but I think I think I've quit more jobs than I've ever been fired from. But also like working the jobs I do, I'm in a weird position that that neither of you guys is really into. My jobs just end. Yeah. Like I was a stand-in on uh Westworld and they wrapped the show. That's and, uh, yeah, and that's the end of the show. So it's really not quitting or getting fired, it's more finishing the job, <laughs> I guess. So all right, so the final one of our little conversations here is covers that are better than the originals and um this kind of came about because of our running gag (laughs) that we have on the show if you guys have listened to any of our episodes you know that we have a running gag and uh and we'll get to that later but it sparked a conversation about you know songs that are better like covers that are better than the original and uh and so i'm gonna go last because i went I went first in something. I don't know. So, T, why don't you... Because we're only going to play one of your choices, but we're going to play both versions of one of your choices. So you'll have to... Uh, you'll have to okay. guide me. You'll have to guide me on that. Okay. Well, you, you told me to pick two, correct? Yes. Okay. All right. So this was a difficult exercise. I'll tell you why. A, we all know there's something that's coming, okay? <laughs> yeah. But you're kind of taking lead on this one, so I decided to leave that one. But then here are a couple of other things. One, most times if a song is remade, it has some redeeming qualities that made other artists want to cut it, right? So it's usually not terrible. So it's hard to pick one over the other. And then you have a lot of, of remakes that fall more into the category of they're not better per se. They're so different. It's hard to judge them against one another. I'm trying to think of an example of that one. Like, uh, you know, Prince has a great, fantastic, all-time, immortal song called Purple Rain. Well, Dwight Yoakam did a bluegrass remake of it, and it's awesome. But it's awesome in a different way. They're very hard to compare. So Another one that's topical of the last series we did, Michael Jackson, was Chris Cornell covering Billie Jean. Sure. And also also Cindy Lauper, one of Cindy Lauper's seminal songs, Girls Just Want to Have Fun, was actually originally done by a guy named Robert Hazard. (laughs) Yep. The one of her seminal feminine anthems was actually pinned and recorded by a guy, and it was actually which, which happens more which happens more than you might think. Yeah, it does. Because we happens. you know we discussed last year when Tom T. Hall passed away, he wrote Harper Valley PTA, which is a feminist anthem. Um, if you go back a year and a half or so ago, John Prine wrote Angel from Montgomery from the perspective of a woman. Yeah. So that that does happen a lot. Okay, but then you, you just kind of touched on something else that makes this hard. There are a lot of songs that aren't the original artist isn't who you think they are. 
Yeah. Right. So like if I say I love rock and roll, most people are going to say, oh, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Nope. The Arrows. Yep. yep. Or yeah. come on, feel the noise. Oh, well, that's uh, Quiet Riot. No, it's Slade. Sorry. I mean, um, Kim Carnes is didn't do the first version of Betty Davis eyes. So there's a bunch of these. So one of mine is probably going to piss a lot of people off. One of them is going to piss my cousin off really bad if he happens to hear this episode, but I'm just going to go with it. First one is <laughs> I'm tackling the Beatles. Okay. Fair, fair. Go for it. I think that Joe Cocker's remake of with a little help from my friends is infinitely better than the Beatles. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. And yeah, you know what? Send us hate mail. Send us hate mail. And, and the thing is, the Beatles version is what they intended it to be. I, I think it, it's a it's a slightly throwaway-ish piece. Yeah. Yeah. But but it's obviously very well written because look what Joe was able to do with it once he got his hands on it. He yep. crushed it. I think also we have nostalgia and iconoclasty related to it because <clears throat> of the Wonder Years. Sure. That's how that was our gateway to him. That's how we found out about but the song. And it was a He did that with a lot of songs though where he he just he just packed them with so much soul and these that the explosive wild man annex on stage and stuff. But like he did that with the letter, which I think I think the box tops did first. Yeah, uh, yes. Uh, but that one, you know, came in through the bathroom window, all that stuff. And and here's a uh, I, I didn't know this till the other day, and I heard I heard this. This is I think a fun fact. Fun fact. Fun fact. When you see Joe Cocker going crazy on stage while he's singing, do you know what he's doing? What? He's playing the drums. Oh. Is that what that is? Not, not, he's not actually playing them, but he used to be a drummer. So if you watch, what he's really doing is he's he's kicking the bass drum, and he's hitting the hi-hat, and he's yeah. hitting the snare. Huh. I have literally never thought about that. Impressive. I had not either until I, I heard that discussed, and I don't remember where I heard it in the last couple of days, and I just thought that was fascinating. It makes sense. Um, and and I also think that the Beatles crafted such such perfect pop songs. They lend themselves to being to to, to good remakes being made of them too. I, I think that's definitely because uh, Stevie Wonder did what I've got to get you into my life. Yes, and that, and it's fantastic. And I could name a bunch of them, but I definitely that's definitely. But they 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 wrote songs that were good enough to actually create at least two feature films that i can name right now which is across the universe with evan rachel wood mm -hmm. and then yesterday and i think it's dev patel is it dev patel i'm gonna the, kick the myself actor? yeah it's oh. he is that both of those are incredible hamish patel, hamish patel. Mm -hmm. and they're both incredible mm -hmm. films love them so so much but they all they they use nothing but beatles music to create a story and it's awesome so I mean, like I don't think you're far off with saying like that's an true that's 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 how you can tell like they're great songs is because you can take them and form them and fit them and kind of bend and stretch them and make something new and interesting. Yeah, and you know, again, I'm not going to be one who flings poop at the Beatles very much, but in this instance, I'm not really flinging poop. I'm just saying Joe's is better. I just think it is. No, that's I think I, I think it's fair. I agree. Now, what is the play song that you have? The the what now? The one that you want me to play. You said you picked two. So what's the other one? Well, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna lay my other one out on the table and yeah, and we'll all decide as a group. How about? Okay. The other one, the 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 um the original version is not tremendously well known, but it's well known enough that I feel comfortable putting it on there. And I love the original, but I gotta hand it to Rod Stewart for his remake of Tom Waits' Downtown Train. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Oh. So, okay. So, a couple of things. 
right up front. Tom is a lot like Bob Dylan in that, A, he is a phenomenal songwriter. And Downtown Train is one of the, has, I think, maybe the best first line in the history of song. One of, for sure. But but Tom's voice is a very acquired taste. <laughs> very. It is not instantly ear-pleasing the way Rod's is. So you take Tom's phenomenal, descriptive, colorful lyrics that just paint you such a beautiful, vivid picture, and you put them in the voice of Rod Stewart, and I think you've got gold there. Now, I, I like Tom's a lot, but again, his voice is not, it doesn't, it's not instant ear candy. And, okay, so you have this wonderfully cohesive song that, that goes from start to finish. At the end of his version, there's like a 30-second weird breakdown where he's like playing the uh, accordion or something, and it just doesn't seem to fit to me. Fair enough. And, and whereas Rod takes it from start to finish, it's one cohesive thing. And he just sings the absolute hell out of that song. And it's one of my, that's actually one of my favorites, probably. Um, so all, all respect to Tom. He's a fantastic songwriter. I happen to really like his version, but I like Rod's version a little bit more. So while we're not going to play the whole song, we are going to just play a little bit of each song just for comparison. So first, of course, we'll go to Tom Waits, and then after that, we will hop over to Rod Stewart's version. Okay. Make sure you get far enough into Tom that you actually hear him sing. That's important. Fair enough. Yeah, okay. I, know. I know he sounds like he just gargled broken glass <laughs> and, and whiskey alcohol. and barbed wire. And yes, yes, he does. So here is Tom Waits with Downtown Train. Punched a hole in the night time, yes I climb to the window and down to the street I'm shining like a new dime The downtown trends of food For all those Brooklyn girls They try so hard to break out of their little worlds Now you wave your hand in the scattered light So that is Tom Waits' Downtown Train. Yeah, that Tom sounds like he smokes cigarettes he makes himself out of asbestos tar paper and leaded gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's listen to someone who has a decidedly more smooth voice, and that is okay. Downtown Train by Rod Stewart, and this is the 2008 remaster. Another yellow wind has punched a hole in the nighttime mist. I climb to the window and down to the street. I'm shining like a new dime. 
Downtown trains are full Full of all them Brooklyn girls They try so hard To break out of their little worlds You wave your hand And they scatter like wolves They have nothing that'll ever capture your heart They're just thorns without the rules Be careful of them in the dark I will say that the difference between Tom Waits's version and Rod Stewart's version is that you can actually understand what Rod is saying. That, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. you're not wrong. <laughs> and what and what Rod is saying in the very first uh, opening line is, "Outside, another yellow moon has punched a hole in the nighttime mist." God, oh, mercy. Yeah, what a freaking line. It's what great. A line. It's great. It's great. It's a great song both ways. But yes, in that case, I fully agree. I think TJ gets a point. Yay. Woo! Okay. Well, Will, what did, Will, what did you think on that one? I was just curious. Of that choice? Well, of, of those, of, of, of Tom's version versus Rod's version. I, I mean, I, I would prefer the Stewart version. It's also the one I know better. Like, yeah. for instance, I did not hear... Tom's version until after I heard Rod. So it's very hard for me to sort of think of it the other way around. Sure. I so, think that's a lot. Yeah. That's that's kind of yeah. a through line with a lot of covers that you didn't realize yeah. were covers. Yeah. Like yeah. we were having a conversation about this. Do remakes count as covers when it comes from the same artist? Because mm-hmm. we had a choice. Because the thing is, if you go listen to Joni Mitchell's both sides now, the original version is this like up and poppy and happy version. And then the one that she records much later uh, that they actually use in the film <laughs> Love Actually is so much darker and moodier and you feel the heartbreak. And so, you know, it's more learned. So it's like you've had that that time to learn. Does that count as a cover because it's her own music, but it's coming from a completely different place? And it's completely different stylistically. You cover your own song, basically. Yeah, she covered yeah. song, but like it's two totally different songs. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I could probably see it done that way. Although I would also just throw in Allison Moore has a killer, killer remake of that song. But oh, does she? But yeah, but if if a if an artist takes one of their own songs and totally reimagines it, then I I would think that probably counts. Yeah. Okay. So that's an honorable mention from me, but we're actually going to move on to Mr. Will the Thrill for his choices. All right. We're focusing on two, correct? Just two. Because good golly, this was a tough one. I had, my list is much longer than I'm going to share with you. uh, (laughs) Just because there are so many, but um, I narrowed it down to two and I figured I'll start by possible conflict with LD here. The song I picked is The Man Who Sold the World, performed originally by David Bowie and covered by Nirvana. Now, the thing is, though, I can I can appreciate, because both of them were mine. Mm-hmm. Both of them were my yep, subjects. Kurt and David. Yes, yeah. I covered both Kurt and David. And the thing is, I can appreciate where both of them came from, and I can mm-hmm. appreciate the difference in style. 
Mm-hmm. The thing is, I can't see myself loving uh, Kurt Cobain for the rest of my life unabashedly mm-hmm. and, you know, having dreams where we go ghost hunting together. But I can yeah. see that with David. So, I mean, like, it's just which artist do I like better? I love Nirvana. But the fact is, David Bowie has a part of my heart. DJ, what's your opinion? Um, I love both versions. That, that, that's one that's really tough. That they're about neck and neck for me. They're 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 very different. It in in Kurt's hands, that song turned into something totally different. Yeah. In my opinion, it it doesn't. I don't think he changes a word. It doesn't feel like it even means the same thing somehow. Yeah, feels very different. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I identified that with that more, and I think we can all agree that Nirvana's Unplugged is one of the best. Oh yeah, I mean, it's absolutely ever. one of yeah. the best. Oh, that- it's right that might have to be a future slap notes episode. <laughs> oh, and you know what? We can probably do it even better because Paramount has the MTV network. They do. And they have seven of the unplugged shows. One of them about an artist we will cover. I think two of them, actually. Two, I think. Two. But uh, to whet the appetite of the audience, I will give you one fun fact. Fun fact. Fun fact. DJ, were you aware that the Nirvana Unplugged was one of the only ones done in a single take? I did not know that. Yep. I feel like I, t- I think we covered that in the episode. I think. Which I, feel no. like, I feel like I knew that, mm-hmm. but I don't know how I knew it. I did know that uh, Neil Young's was done repeatedly because he was not happy with the band. <laughs> huh. Stanley Kubrick directing it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And what is your place on? Uh, so, so that's mine was Man Who Sold the World. Uh, I'm not going to play that one because a lot of people know that. And very similar to you, TJ, I'm going to punch up and go after the Beatles. Uh, wow. I feel kind of left out that I didn't choose uh, a Beatles song. And, and, and please understand that I have nothing against the Beatles. I like the Beatles. I sure. grew up listening to the Beatles. However, I think one song, they did well, but it was done better. I Am the Walrus. You too? Boingo Boingo. Oh, okay. Boingo Boingo All did right. a cover of I Am the Walrus. And as we go into this... I will preface it with the lyrics from the immortal cinematic classic Roadhouse by saying, come on, Elvis, play something with balls. So let's hear the Beatles. That was the original version as done by the Beatles uh-huh. of I Am The Walrus. So let's take yeah. a listen to... Again, it's good. It's good. Yeah. yeah. No, the only thing I can just... I'm just... I just have this this thing in my head where it's like, yeah, perhaps we should mention somewhere in the song that a walrus is actually a marine mammal. That'd be real spangly dangly do. <laughs> All right. So we're going to listen to Oingo Walrus. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> sorry to all of our English yes. listeners. And our translators are dropping off. Yeah. I'm sorry to the whole country of Italy. Uh, you'll hear that soon. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mistakes were made. He, he has been duly punished. <laughs> all right. So here is Oingo Boingo's I Am the Walrus. I am he as you are, he as you are me, and we are all together. See how they run like pigs from a gun, see how they fly. I'm a lion, sitting on a cornflake, waiting for the time to come. Corporation t-shirts, stupid bloody Tuesday, man, you've been a naughty boy, you let your face go long. Okay, so I've got to play this because I accidentally said that this was the version that he was going to mm-hmm. listen to, which this is actually from Across the Universe. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Dr. Robert. Time is not on our hands, people. Time is slipping through them. we got to transcend the bullshit and fast. But hey, no point butting your heads bucking a system. Let them get all snarled up in their dreary eye. Never knocked away another cat swings, man. Mm. Mm. Hate to mess with your groove, New York. But we're about two years at it on the coast. We already graduated from what's been going on to where it's going. Okay, so, T, do you actually know who did that version? Is that Shatner? It is not. <laughs> it is actually Bono. Yeah, but you too. Oh, wow. Yeah, weird, right? There was something about a, in, in the, the talk up to it that was a little stop and start. And <laughs> I thought it was Shatner, but then uh, it, when he was singing, it really didn't sound like him, but I, I didn't have any other guests, to be honest with you, Jack. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's, um. hang on, I'm pulling up my song. So, while we're doing that, any thoughts on the Boingo version? Yeah, I actually like it. Yeah, I, I do like- too. Yeah, the thing um, is, I was not familiar with. It's a great one, and it got it gets overlooked a lot, but it is, in my opinion, a superior version to the original. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's when Go Boingo's "I Am the Walrus." Uh, you see, I really like his voice, though. Elfin, Danny Elfin has mm-hmm. a really underrated singing voice. Oh, he's great. Yeah. That I really like, and there's like a raspiness but a lightness to it, and it's a really it's a really interesting juxtaposition. His voice is a conundrum. He's a good singer. Yeah, he's a yeah. very good singer. All right, so I guess my choices mm-hmm. are. Uh, for my first one, I'm going to go for one that we've actually covered this person before. And honestly, the two songs could not sound more different. So I'm actually going with Janis Joplin's version of Roger Miller's Me and My Bobby McGee. Good one. Uh, there is, his version is very clean, very crisp, and very polished. Where hers is just... 
yep. ragged and and but boring. also of course we need to need to mention written by do you know no the great chris christopherson oh my oh that's right that is right i think tj original tj1 mentioned that and, in and her- i think the first time he heard janice's version was like the day after she died really yeah and he he i think when he heard it he was he, he just bawled his eyes out mm. my god like the two the two songs are night and day between yeah. i mean it's just his version is is pressed and clean and hers is three days Janus. on the floor Janus. and hers is janice yes and that's the thing is she is the pearl she is amazing and she's not perfect and that's what makes her perfect yeah so I, I would also say i almost picked a roger miller song um you know he had one called dang me okay dang me dang me they ought to take her up and hang me very two minutes long funny throwaway-ish little little just a little fun song well there's a guy named buddy miller who remade that and he stretches it out to about six minutes and it it is dark and, and scary sounding and when he says they ought to take a rope and hang me he means it. that that man is it you've never heard a more different version of a song but nobody's ever heard it but me <laughs> and i was like yeah, i don't need to get lost too far up my own butt on this one so i, I passed but that's a really good one there i think yeah, and then, well, it's funny that you say that somebody took something that was really light and turned it into something that was very dark. From my listen choice, I actually went with Gary Jules and Michael Andrews' version of Mad World, which was originally done by Tears for Fears. Correct. Yeah, so let's just take a listen to the Tears for Fears version, and then we'll listen to Gary Jules' version. So that is the original, and here is Gary Jules' version. Tears are filling up their glasses. No. 
So that is Mad World, the Gary Jules version. What are your thoughts on those guys? It's totally different. Yeah. Completely different. And the second one, in my in my opinion, is a better song. Yeah. That's why I that's why I chose this as my listen. Like yeah. I actually dislike the Tears for Fears version. It feels disjointed. It feels like too poppy. It feels like his vocals are lost in the mix. Not that I don't like Tears for Fears, except for that one song. They have the, the shittiest music video on the planet. Seeds for. of Love. Seeds of Love is terrible. It's a horrible <laughs> song. It's a terrible music video. You're bad, terrible, awful humans. Anyway. But their- thanks for doing Shout. We appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yep. So, uh, but but this, that, the, the original, I don't really connect with. But there's something about that haunting melody in Gary Jules's version that feels like it was originally what the idea had was that that song was supposed to be. Mm. That's what the song was originally intended to be. Travis? Yeah, no, no, I agree with everything you said. I really do. Um, the the Tears for Fears version, and again, they have a ton of great songs, but that that one, yeah, it, it just felt a little clunky or something. Yeah. Uh, they, the, the second version, it's like they they kind of, it's almost like it was an, a wrinkled shirt. And, and the second version, they got out an iron and made it look presentable hmm. or something. Yeah, but they also washed it with all the darks. <laughs> right. And and it, they took something that was more poppy. And if you really weren't listening to the words, you might have thought, oh, this is kind of a happy song, you know. And then Gary Jules kind of took it, twisted it, and made it into this song that literally haunts my dreams. This is, they've used it in a couple different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, they used it in, what, Gears of War? The promo, yeah. The promo mm-hmm. for Gears of War. But they also used it in Donnie Darko. Yeah. To great effect. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like that is the superior version, but wait, Lindley, I hear the people crying out in podcast land, but what about, hold on, (laughs) hang on. I'm getting to that because collectively as a team, I think we all can agree that there is one song in the pantheon of all music that was given to us by our great Lord Savior, Jesus Christ, and his son, whatever his son's name is. He didn't, uh, he didn't have a son. He had a daughter, right? What's her uh, name? No. Sarah? No, he, no, he didn't. Dan Brown told me that, it was, that he had a daughter, okay? I listened to Dan Brown. Anyway, okay. uh, we can agree as a, as a team, the podcasters, LD, TJ2, The Deuce, and Will The Thrill, have one song that none of us are going to disagree with. <laughs> And that's the song that we're actually going to close out the show. But I'm going to have to tell you my parting thought really quick. I'm shocked, shocked that TJ did not pick Hurt by Johnny Cash. I should have been surprised as well. There are a couple over the course of doing this podcast we have discussed so much. I I decided to just leave those alone. That's the same reason I didn't go with Van Halen's You Really Got Me. That's Um, a good one too. I I didn't go with uh, Johnny Cash's Hurt, which I I think it's an infinitely 
a better version. And, and, and the Thunder Snails version was a really good song, but Johnny's just, he took it. You want to talk about repurposing a song and making it feel like it means something completely different, which yeah. very few people did the way Johnny did, you know. For, for that matter, his version of Personal Jesus. When he sang it, it sounds like it's a gospel song. Yeah. And I, there wasn't really a standout for me that, that you missed. Like well, there was, there was one other one that, that, that has, it's, a, it's a, an all-time great song, and there are two all-time great remakes of it. And I was just like, Dancing in the street. Uh, no, and don't even joke about that. Um, <laughs> that, that is terrible in every way. Um, it's, bad, it's bad, wrong, and awful. And I don't, I don't ever want to hear it again. No, uh, one by you too. Oh, okay. Because Mary J. Blige's version is slamming, and, and I yeah. love it. And then, yeah. and then Johnny Cash's version actually makes it more heartbreaking than the original, if you can imagine such a thing. Well, and there's also a version of Can't Take My Eyes Off You, which me and Will the Thrill mm. both agreed is an incredible song, but it's not as good as the original, which was done, it, the, the, the remake was done by Lauryn Hill, and it's an incredible song, and what she does with it is interesting, but it's got too much of that flavor of the original, which was Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons. Yeah. And so you really can't beat him in that sense because she really didn't transform the song. She did a great version of it, but right. it didn't exceed the original. So there are tons I, of I thought you might come swinging with the little urge overkill. I did. You think? Ooh, yeah. Huh. Being a Tarantino fan and all. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes. Tarantino does things with music. We will maybe have to do that on a slot nuts as well as music from Tarantino. Like that's fair. How yeah. how how he yeah. uses music. So you'll have to or watch a Tarantino movie, Travis, and then write a book report on the hmm. music of uh, Tarantino. I've uh, I've watched one of his movies, and I can do that one. <laughs> <laughs> Which one have you seen? I've seen Pulp Fiction a bunch okay. of times. There you go. Yeah, I I was actually thinking about watching Inglorious Bastards literally. Or or or. Hey, Will, here's here's one I would be interested in your take on, because this is a person you're a fan of. How about the Lemonheads version of Mrs. Robinson? Oh. Oh. oh or literally yeah. anything Real Big Fish does is so much fun, and it's but it's a completely different style. Totally So different, if you don't yeah. like that style, it's not going to be... Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah, because, I mean, Real Big Fish did take on me, which is honestly great are you okay i'm still reeling from that i can't decide which i prefer (laughs) all right well to close out before my husband has an existential crisis we heard your cries guys and so i think we're all going to weigh in on this now if you've been a casual listener of this podcast at all you guys know that we have a running gag now, T, can you walk us through how we got to this point in our lives? Because I'll bet you're wondering how we got here. You know, when I when Will and I first joined the podcast, we found oddly that there were a lot of artists who we were not covering because they're still alive, who we who somehow we still mentioned a lot, like every week. Patula Clark came up constantly. Um, who was the other one? Uh, there was a couple that just kept coming up and kept coming up for, for whatever reason. And one of those was Manfred Mann's Earth Band. Which is so weird. And it happened organically every yeah. single week. It, it, it did. Yes, this was in planned in no way. So, But we're just frequently mentioning Rush and Lulu and Petula Clark and Manfred Mann's Earth Band. So one day, out of nowhere, I, LD may have been doing an episode or, or Will or somebody, but they mentioned Manfred Mann's Earth Band. And again, not on purpose. We have not planned this. There, there was no thought went into this zero and i just blurted out there it is ladies and gentlemen our federally mandated manfred man's earth band reference of the podcast has been satisfied haha 
And then again, uh-huh. without talking, without discussing anything, without it becoming an official thing, we all just started writing Manfred Man's Earth Band into every single script. <laughs> Somehow. It's it's we started a joke that made the whole world laugh. And then and, they found us. And then <laughs> and then, and then the joke was on us. And then, yeah, haha on us. Manfred Man found me on Facebook. <laughs> Great. Oh, which so, I told you when that happened, I'm flattered. I am also frightened. <laughs> now, now, to be fair, we have never insulted. Them. We never have. We've never fact, we them love, I, I, I love Manfred Mann, <laughs> and I've loved them since Duwa Diddy. Like I've, I've, I am a massive Manfred Mann in all iterations <laughs> of Manfred Mann, from Manfred Mann, Manfred Mann Three, or Manfred Mann's Earth Band. Like all iterations, I love them. I'm a fan. And the fact is, they actually took one of the, and then uh, we might get hate mail. I don't know. <laughs> but they took one of the arguably crappiest songs that Bruce Springsteen ever put to paper and it made did. it a friggin' art piece. I-, I will take the position of not only a Springsteen fan, but a New Jerseyan. And I will say, yes, the original song is schlock. It is not good. It did not work. That's, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, It's very much like the difference between the two versions of Mad World you play. His is disjointed and just, it's just a mishmash of stuff. And I don't, I really don't like it. it. Doesn't it's, hard, it's hard to believe somebody as talented as him put that out, to be honest with you. Yeah. So right now I'm going to actually play a little bit of the, the Bruce Springsteen version mm-hmm. just so you guys can hear it. I'm really sorry. <laughs> and then we'll come back and close out the show. All right. So here is a little bit of Blinded by the Light by Bruce Springsteen. In the dumps with the mumps of the adolescent pumps is way into his hat. With a boulder on my shoulder, feeling kind of older, I strip the merry-go-round. With this very unpleasing sneezing and wheezing, the calliope crashed to the ground. Some old hot hat stoppers it for our spots, snapping his fingers, clapping his hands. There's some flesh spot mascot tied to a lover's knot with a whatnot in her hand. And now young Scott with a swinch. Right, I think that's enough. <laughs> that's that was more than that was a gracious plenty. Now, I will also say as a Springsteen fan, I am a firm believer that his sophomore outing was much better than this, his first album. I mean, fair. The Wild, the Innocent, and the E Street Shuffle is so much better. Well, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I've listened to that. You can't compare? I can't. I have nothing to compare it to. TJ, what's your thought? I, I, I still think to this day, Little Pink Houses was done by Bruce Springsteen. And I've tried it. It, it, was, it was not. That was John Mellencamp. No, I no, I completely agree with you. There's a steady ascension through his first, gosh, several albums. like five albums, yeah. Yeah. Well, anybody have any parting thoughts? Yeah. Almost every remake of a Bruce song is better than Bruce's. <laughs> And I specifically tried to find examples where that wasn't the case. I did find an interesting one, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, the classic Because the Night yep. was originally done by Patti Smith. Redone by 10,000 Maniacs. Well, no, redone right? by Bruce. Oh. 
and then redone by 10,000 Maniacs. Which I actually... But now, I think Bruce co-wrote that one, I believe. Well, I would argue that his version is actually better than the original. And personally, I like the 10,000 Maniacs version the best. Yes. I, I do too. Yes, I, I completely agree with you. Um, I actually listened and, to I actually listened to the Ten Thousand Maniacs version the other day on my walk. That's another great unplugged. Still holds up. That unplugged is fantastic. She is yeah. such an incredible vocalist. Natalie Merchant yes. is is incredible. One of her songs. Um, I believe it was from what? What is the album called? It might have been Natalie Merchant. Um, but Wonder. Wonder's good song. Yeah, it was on something like Tiger Lily or something. Tiger Lily, that's mm. it. Yes, I can remember the cover. It was like yellow and orange, and it had her face. It was just her. And yeah, that was just her. And there are colors around her. But that album was incredible. And then the song Wonder is a standout. That's like my go-to karaoke song. Like in the middle of the karaoke party it's never the closer it's <laughs> never the opener it's always somewhere in the middle so i, I want to uh, say that was the theme of my wife's high school graduation or college one or the other interesting that, that was like their big that was their big song but i mean um not these are the know, days it'd be surprising I, I, I would just tell you like the band's version of atlantic city trashes it, it trounces bruce's for that no, matter no, country artist john anderson no. did a remake and his is better no i, I go with the original on that one i stand by and, that. and bruce's isn't bad but Charlie Robinson doing Racing in the Streets is better than Bruce's and the Mavericks doing All That Heaven Will Allow better than Bruce's. And But here, here's my my point. It sounds the like I'm talking The entire state of New Jersey is going to boycott <laughs> this podcast. I think, but what I think I'm really saying is that Bruce is an amazing songwriter who, <laughs> it, who is so gifted in crafting songs that pretty much anything, any it, it, they can be adapted to anything in the American canon. Hard rock, country bluegrass r&b like you i think that's the mark of a of a really truly great songwriter you know but there's a lot of remakes of dylan songs that are better than dylan's but again i think that oh, speaks yeah. to how good dylan is yeah 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 to me but bruce has a little stevie there's that yeah <laughs> yes there is that apparently, apparently i've met him <laughs> I've, I've worked yeah. with him also and also it's late and i drank a lot today so, <laughs> so well. that is all our faults i regret nothing all right so we are going to get to the the best version of Blinded by the Light, which is by Manfred Mann's Earth Band. Who's going to do it? Seriously. Uh, uh, why don't you do it, Will? Okay. Him, <clears throat> him. Ladies and gentlemen, the Manfred Mann's federally mandated. Well, maybe I shouldn't do it anymore. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. T, why, don't you, why don't you try it? Uh, see if you can get through it. Because We've been doing this for about nine hours now. I, I tried. My, Ladies I, and gentlemen, the federally mandated Manfred Mann's Earth Band reference of the Rock and Roll Heaven podcast has now officially been put to bed and satisfied. Hey. There it is. All right. So our socials, if you want to send us hate mail because you love Bruce Springsteen. Because you, and, and frankly, you're probably gonna. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. You can uh, wander over and support the show at uh, patreon.com backslash rock and roll heaven. You can check us out at Twitter at rock and roll LT. Our Instagram is rock and roll heaven LT. Our Facebook rock and roll heaven pod. And seriously, guys, go over there and enjoy uh, the fun that we're having over there. We got inside jokes. We've got, you know, posts that not are about dead people, but we do have posts when someone does pass. So you can keep up and, and know who unfortunately passed. 
Uh, it's not all gloom and doom over there. It is actually quite fun. Our website, we're still not saying it. And you can email us at rockandrollheavenlt at gmail.com. And make sure, please, to check out all the other awesome Pantheon podcasts at pantheonpodcast.com. And don't forget, you can still get 15% off your entire order of Tiesta Tea at tiestatea.com. And put in the promo code ROCKHEAVEN15 at checkout to get 15% off. We love you guys so much. Travis, do you have anything to say to the audience? I do indeed. Bye, buddy. All right. Mr. Will, the thrill. To that, I say thank you and good night. All right. So uh, make sure that you guys check us out next week. Um, I know that we're probably in the middle of something, but I don't even know when this episode is going to come out or what. It's probably, you know what? Here, it's a safe bet to say this. It is a safe bet to say this. Hey, guys, check us out next week where we'll be continuing our series on Michael Jackson. I say that with every that episode. probably yeah. a safe bet. <laughs> it's either that or uh, Alice in Chains. Right. It'll be one or the other. It's one or the other. I'm pretty sure, though, it's Michael Jackson. Probably. It's probably Michael Jackson. So, But what we're going to do is something that we've never done, and that's actually play Manfred Mann's Earth yes. Band. So, you guys, from all of us here at Rock and Roll Heaven to all you guys out there, just remember... The light at the end of the tunnel may be blinding. Good night. Blinded by the light. Wrapped up like a douche. Another runner in the night. Blinded by the light. Wrapped up like a douche. Another runner in the night. Another runner in the night, blinded by the
got down But she never got touched She's gonna make it to the night She's gonna make it through Oh, let me crash to the ground. I'll start the slingshot line. 
92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial.